the book of Romans in chapter 3. <clears throat> book of Romans in chapter 3. I had some sinus trouble started last night. So you'll have to forgive me if I sound a little scratchy tonight. Book of Romans in chapter 3. Tonight, the thought that God laid on my heart is, is the difference in, in us and the world that we're called to minister to. The difference in us and, well, to put it frankly, the lost people that we're supposed to try to reach. And the reality of it is, the Bible says that there is no difference. Romans in chapter 3, verse number 22. Romans in chapter 3, verse number 22. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity together. Yah, we thank you for the wonderful music. God, we thank you for those that's blessed even our hearts this afternoon, God, with the gifts that you've bestowed upon them. Lord, I pray that you bless this service. God, meet with us here. God, help us so we can honor and glorify you in all that we say or do. Lord, we would never steward say anything or bring shame or reproach upon your great and holy name. Lord, most of all, if we be one here this afternoon, God, it's out of the ark of salvation and haven't yet trusted on Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, I pray that you would burden them. God, allow them to see the simplicity of salvation, that they might believe on Jesus and be saved before be everlasting too late. Bless those that ask interest in our prayers this evening. You know the needs of each one. Forgive us for we fail you. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. The Bible says here that there is no difference. And I want to point out that between each and every one of us that there is a little bit of a difference. And us and the world that we're called to go into and be a light, there is a little bit of a difference. I came up with four things that's different, and most of the time with each and every one of us. Number one is the circumstances of our birth. Some people are born into wonderful, awesome families. Others are born into difficult situations. And the, the kid or even us, we, we don't have control over that. We don't have control over who our family is. I know people say all the time, you can't choose your family. And they, they say it jokingly. I've told Kendall McKenzie that all of my life. And we can't choose our family. And that is the truth. And we can't get away from that. And so that is one thing that is definitely 100% different between each and every one of us. And the second is, is mental ability. Um, even as close as me and my two brothers are, we have three very distinct, abilities whenever it comes to our capacity for knowledge and our thought processes and the way we think and the way we work and the way we act the third is how we are raised even being raised right here right here in the pine community and, and even uh, right here uh, among god-fearing people most people are raised differently and whenever you get out into the world you see people from a variety of backgrounds and the fourth way that oftentimes we find ourselves to be different among each other is a degree of sinfulness. Some people are raised up having a little bit different view of right and wrong because of how they're raised, because of how they're brought up, because of the example that their parents may or may not set before them. Others grow up in church and they know what right and wrong is. And so that is a difference that is between us that, that we may not see and the people that we go to minister to, that the people we try to be a blessing to. But there, there is that difference in us and them. But with the help of the Bible tonight, I want to show you seven 
ways that there is no difference in us and the ones that we are to be reaching, the ones that we are to be ministering to, the people that we are to be trying to help in the first is in the book of Hebrews. Hold your place right here. We're going to be right back in just a second. But flip over, if you would, to the book of, he- <clears throat> book of Hebrews in chapter 9. And if you don't want to flip, I'll read it to you. It's one verse, Hebrews 9 and 27. The Bible says that we are all mortal, as it is appointed unto man once to die. And after this, the judgment, regardless of where somebody is born or how somebody is raised, the mortality of man is something that is definite. It's something that we cannot escape from. It is something that follows each and every person. And so whenever it comes to ministering to people, we, we say, well, I have nothing in common with this knucklehead over here. You do. Both going to die. Both going to stand before God. And that is, and, and the Bible said here in Romans that, that there is no difference, and there is no difference in man and the, the, the faith that's coming to us, if you want to put it that way. The Bible says that it is appointed unto men once to die. That first death, we don't have an option with. We, we read of two people in the Bible that did not see death, and that was through the blessings of God, but he has promised us that, that we will die. If Jesus don't come back first and take us away in the rapture, that, that we're going to die, that it's coming. It's something that we're not going to escape from. And that is something that we have in common with a lost and dying world. The second thing we find right here in the book of Romans is the next verse. It says that we have all sinned. Verse number 23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, there's nothing in the world that we can do to change that. Men have tried to live forever. It never worked. Ponce de Leon sailed into Florida trying to find the fountain of youth so that he could live forever. He didn't find it. People have tried cure-alls. There are people right now that their bodies have been frozen in cryostasis, thinking and hoping that they will be revived one day. Once death comes, it's that's it. Once man has died, and, and the Bible says that, that we have that in common, and also that, that we're going to see a judgment. And that comes where, where all this sin comes into play. Because of our forefather Adam, we don't have a choice in that as well. In the same way that we can't choose our family and who we're kin to, we can't choose who our forefathers were. We cannot go back and change the fact that Adam messed up in the garden. We can't do it. Because of him, sin is coming to all men. The Bible says over and over again that all have sinned. That all are in the same boat whenever it comes to the sinfulness of man. And in the Old Testament, we read of the feast and the sacrifices and everything that it took as an atonement for sin. And that that is all set up in the Old Testament because there is sin. If there weren't sin, it wouldn't be there. If there weren't sin in the world, we wouldn't be here. If one person could have possibly lived righteous, Jesus wouldn't have had to die. If one person could have been perfect, Jesus didn't have to die. But one person can't be. Short of God himself, nobody is perfect. Nobody's going to get there. So the difference in, in... and us and the lost world out there is, is, is not that we're not sinners, because we are. Paul said even after he was converted, he said the, that he is the chief of sinners, of whom I am chief. I find it interesting when I go back and read that, that he didn't say that I was. I know that Paul lived a, a difficult life. Before he, he murdered, he jailed, he beat, he whooped Christians. 
But after he was converted, he went about preaching and discipling others. But Paul did not say that I was the chiefest of sinners, but now, like was mentioned in Sunday school, I hadn't sinned since I got saved. That's a bunch of mess. The Bible says that all have sinned. Bible says that Paul says, of whom I am chief. Even after salvation, we sin. And whenever we meet somebody, we can say, I have absolutely nothing in common with that person you do. You're both mortal. And you both have sinned. Number three, and if you would turn over to the book of John in chapter three. Number three is that all have come under condemnation. That's another thing that we cannot in any way escape. John in 3 and 18 says, He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. We come into this world protected and safe. If a young person dies outside of the, the age, but underneath the age of accountability, his sins haven't been charged into him, that, that person is safe. A person can't go to hell if they hadn't been convicted of their sin yet. But once a person is convicted of their sin, their destination, their eternal destination, lies strictly upon them. Strictly upon what they choose. Because at that point, that person is condemned of their sins. Their sins have condemned them. And the Bible here says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. And that's something that at some point in time we all had that in common. We were all condemned by our sin. We could not live that perfect life. We, we, I said, must have been last night. The first thing that babies learn how to do is lie. Because she was sitting in her high chair in her car seat type of deal. She was just hanging out until we stopped looking at her. <laughs> Emily picked her up just fine. Right as rain. Put her back down. Picked her up. Right as rain. The first thing that they learn how to do is lie and get their way. There wasn't anything wrong with her. Nothing at all. As a person, we can't help but to sin. It's, it's going to get us. Not because we can't try not to sin. Not because we can't ask God to help us not to sin. But because even after we're saved, we live in a fleshly body that longs to sin. And the Bible here says that because of that sin, we are condemned. But the fifth thing that I want to mention, or excuse me, the fourth is, is right here in two verses above this, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. It says that we are all loved by God. That is something else that we all have in common, whether it's a, 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 the offering and phrase is used, the sinners and the saints. God loves them both. That's the truth. The people that sit in church on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings and Wednesday nights, God loves them. The people that sit in the ballrooms, God still loves them. He hates what they're doing. He hates the sin. But God loves the sinner. And no one on this earth is outside of the love of God. Nobody can, can mess up bad enough for God not to love them anymore. Several times, and I'm not very old, I hadn't seen very much. But I've seen people, and, and especially kids, do some things and become some things that their parents... Their parents have to have to kick them out. Have to tell them to go. And it's not that their parents don't love them anymore. It's not that their parents allow them to sit in jail without coming and posting their bail money because they don't love them. 
It's because they love them enough to chase them, to try to teach them a lesson. We are not outside of God's love even whenever we mess up. He don't stop loving us. Even whenever we get thrown in jail, He don't stop loving us. Even whenever we refuse to come to Him for help or forgiveness, He don't stop loving us. In the same way with this lost and dying world outside the doors of this church or even inside the doors of this church, God don't stop loving them because they say, No, Jesus, I will not trust in you. If He did, there'd be a lot more people headed to hell. But God has given us that grace to, to the two kids saying about that amazing grace, that grace and, and that long suffering to deal with us more than one time. So many people come to the point of conviction and it's, it's hard. It's difficult. It is the hardest, easiest thing that you can ever do is to get saved and to, to give your life to Christ and believe in Jesus with all of your heart. But if you say no, God still loves you. If you say not right now, God still loves you. The man in the Bible said a more convenient season. God still loved him. He said, I, I'm almost persuaded. God still loved him. Regardless of what kind of shape the, this world may find itself in, God still loves the people. God still loves the, the judges that voted for the abortion bill. God still loves the people that, that allows that to happen. God still loves the, the, the drunks. Those who get hung up on drugs, God still loves them. Even though what they're doing is wrong and, and blatantly against the Bible, God still loves them. The Bible says in 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that is the reason that God loved us. And that is His proof that he loved us. If somebody told me the sky was green and I walked out there and it was blue, I'd have to tell them to prove it. God proved his love to us whenever he sent Jesus. And God continues to prove his love to us over and over again on a daily basis. Flip over, if you would, to the book of John. Excuse me, 1 John in chapter 2. Book of 1 John in chapter 2. The fifth thing that we all have in common is that we were all provided salvation through Jesus. Christ provided it for everyone. Not leaving anybody out. Not telling anybody they have to work harder than somebody else. But it's that free gift of God. 1 John chapter 2, verse number 2. For He is the propitiation... For our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. Amen. I've looked into that word propitiation, and you can dig on it as deep as you want to dig on it. But what I've come down to as far as a summary goes is, is that is a substitute. Jesus took our place. He, he went to the cross in place of us. And we were provided for in that action that Jesus did. God proved He loved us when He sent His Son. Jesus proved He loved us when He laid His hands down right there. Amen. Aunt Tara wrote a song a bunch of years ago. and uh, I, I don't remember all the words to it, but uh, the, the chorus and the name of the song went when, uh, when He was on the cross, His arms were reaching out. Reaching out to a world that needed mercy. Reaching out to a world that needed saving. What do you see 
When you think of Calvary, I see a Savior with nail-pierced hands reaching out for you and me. And that's what He was doing. On that cross, not only was He taking our place, He was suffering what, what I deserved and what you deserved. Not only that, He was calling from the cross. He was reaching out. He was inviting those to come to Him. And even from the cross, the centurion said, Surely this was the Son of God. He was convinced. And yet today we find ourselves trying having a hard time to convince people that Jesus is real. Like I said, mentioned in Sunday school this morning, you can't see the wind, but you can see the trees blowing. I've never physically laid eyes on God, but I've seen what He's done in my life and the life of others. I've never physically laid eyes on Jesus Christ. I will one day, but I haven't yet. But I've seen the effects he's had. I've seen the effects he's had on my life. I believed in him with all of my heart. And, and faith is something that is powerful. And the difference in us and the lost and dying world is, is that Christ provided for everybody. But our faith is the difference in us. The circumstances that we're born in don't affect our ability to be saved. Don't affect our ability to follow Christ, to, to worship God. Because Christ provided for the sins of the whole world. Flip over to Revelations, if you would, in chapter 22. Right at the end, the book of Revelation, chapter 22. Number six thing, that there is no difference in us and the world that we are to minister to, is that we are all invited to the gospel of Christ. That invitation does not stop or slow down. Uh, the graduates this year, and last year as well, were extended invitations. And, and even when I was in school, they had invitations set aside that in case it rained and we couldn't have it in the football stadium, we could go to the gym. And then every student was allowed six people that they could invite, six invitations that they could give out. And that made things very, very difficult for me because I had a big family. I wanted everybody to be there. And I thank God that we were able to be on the football field so everybody can be there. Uh, to hear my song that I broke out to, into during my uh, commencement speech. But anyway, one thing that we all have in common is that we are all invited to the gospel of Christ. The Bible is one of the most recognized books across the planet. It's printed in umpteen dozen languages. I know Beam sends them all over the world. The Southern Baptist Convention prints them in so many different languages. And don't get me wrong, it's been translated and perverted several times. But the one true King James Version Word of God is something that never goes out of style. It's something that, something that never changes. It's something that the invitation never stops. Revelations 22, verse number 17. The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely that invitation is extended to everybody one thing that is not different in us in the world is that christ invited both of us to be saved that person is nasty that we don't want to talk to christ invited them to be saved that person that curses all the time that we don't like to be around christ invited them to be saved that democratic president that we think is a knucklehead christ invited him to be saved them dipstick governors no, nobody like Christ invited them to be saved. Everybody of every walk of life, of 
every shape and size and color and gender or made up gender or whatever it is they may be. Christ invited them to be saved. That is one thing that is no difference in any of us. And flip back to the book of John, if you would, in chapter 3. And the last thing that makes us no different from anybody else is that all who believe are saved forever. After you get saved, you can go in so many different directions. It's not even funny. And the Holy Spirit will convict you if you stray away from the Bible. But once we are saved, we are saved forever. Once a person believes, he is saved forever. John in chapter 3, verse number 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life. But the wrath of God abideth on him. This is a promise of God. It didn't say that the... He that believeth on him has, has life for a little while. Until they mess up again. Until you sin. Until you trip. And until and when I was in school, we was walking on the sidewalks all the time. At the old pine school, the really old pine school. You walk through there, there was always cracks everywhere. The the saying was that if you stepped on a crack, you broke your mom's back. So we was walking through there, we take small steps, then we take a big step, then we take small steps, then we take a big step. And we were trying so hard to avoid those cracks. Whenever we get saved, we can avoid all we want. But there's no superstition that can take away salvation. Amen. There's no person that can take away salvation. There's no thought. There's no devil. There's, the Bible says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Nothing can take us out of Jesus' hand. And then God has given our soul to Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. <coughs> and there's absolutely nothing. That we can do about it. <clears throat> and I don't believe there's a saved person on this planet that will tell you that they don't like being saved. If there is, I've never met them. I thoroughly enjoy it. I have never, uh, I've never really enjoyed anything better. I love being saved. I love being part of the family of God. I love being commissioned uh, to, to preach and to go. And, and even before I was called to preach it, to, to be able to go and to be able to share the gospel, that's something that we all share together. And the Bible says that he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting, never ending, never slowing down, never changing. Don't have to worry about it going away. Don't have to worry about you losing. Don't worry about have to worry about, well, God forgot to write my name down. No, he didn't. Well, God crossed my name out. No, he didn't. Well, the book that had my name in it got lost. No, it didn't. Well, what if I sin again? You're gonna. Don't change your salvation. There's so many people that teaches, and I didn't want to get into this, but I feel like I have to tonight. There's so many people that teaches that once you're saved, that you have to live perfect. And if you don't, you're not saved anymore. Paul says to, to live perfectly. The Bible says to Walk circumspectly, and then it tells us over and over again to strive for perfection. And that statement is 100% accurate. We are to strive for perfection. I am to try to be absolutely perfect. I'll never get there, but I'm to try. I'm going to fail. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to trip and fall. I'm going to step on cracks. I'm going to let things distract me and get in my way. But I never lose that salvation. I never lose that calling. I never lose that commission. That is when each and every saved person of God. And the last thing that I want to touch on is, once again, 
is that we're all invited. Everybody is invited. We, we gave out invitations for revival this week, and uh, there were a bunch of people that showed up. Praise God, we had folding chairs out here Wednesday night. It's a wonderful thing to see. And the ceiling fans, you can kind of see them rattling whenever we were singing. But every person that, that took an invitation and invited somebody else to church, they were doing the work of God. And that invitation was only extended to a certain amount of people. There are people in Arkansas that didn't get an invitation to our revival. Can you believe that? It's, it's hard to believe. There were people in Mississippi that didn't get an invitation to our revival. There were people in Iraq and Afghanistan that did not get an invitation to our revival. But all men get an invitation to Christ. All men. There are people, and I didn't think I would, I didn't think I'd ever hear of it. It, it blew my mind when I did. There are people that think that only some people can be saved. That breaks my heart. There are people that believe, and and they believe it wholeheartedly, that God has has picked out a select few to be saved. And that is contrary to my Bible. God has chosen to invite everybody. God said all who believe. The Bible says that all that call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says whosoever over and over and over again. It's, it's not selected to a select few. Whenever we was in college, they had all these fraternities and sororities you could be a member of. And if you didn't have that ring on, you couldn't go into this house. And if you didn't have this cord on, they knew that you wasn't a part of them at graduation. But they only accepted a few people. And you had to have this GPA and you had to have this extracurricular and you had to go through an application process and you don't have to do that with God. That's right. Thank God don't turn people away. Amen. He never has and He never will. And if someone tells you that you can lose your salvation, tell them they're full of bull. If somebody tells you that you can't be saved because you were probably not chosen, you tell them they're full of bull. If somebody tells you that you have to be baptized to be saved, you tell them they're full of bull. And then you tell them why, using this right here. Because it's in here. Baptism is not salvation. Tongues is not salvation. Repeat after me is not salvation. Predestination is not salvation. <clears throat> Believing on Jesus Christ is. And that is it. And that is the biggest thing that is not different between us and the world. They get saved the same way we did. I find it extremely difficult and oftentimes aggravating trying to help someone that, that is, is lost and they know that they're lost and are trying to be saved. Because the way I got saved and the way Brother Ed got saved is different because mentally we are different. The way that we are raised is different. The way that we were brought up is different. The way that we think, the way that we act is different. But the way we get saved is not. We belong to believe on Jesus with all of our heart. And the Bible says that we will be saved. That we should have everlasting life. That it's ours. That it's a guarantee. That it's a promise. And that is one thing that will never change. That is one thing that is not different. And that is one thing that will always stay true and stay with us. And that is the salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, we have a verse of a song.